This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, having thoughts of suicide, or just needs to talk, call 988. 988 provides 24-7 direct connection to free, confidential, and compassionate support in your phone's local area code. When you call 988 in Santa Clara County, you'll talk with trained crisis counselors who will support you and connect you to local resources if needed. You are not alone in crisis. There is hope. I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? Explain to me. No, you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's It's not. It's an illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Me too, we have tonight. Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. There are some predators who, well, let's just say are unforgettable for a lot of different reasons. Their danger to society, their cockamamie excuses, the graphic chat logs. But John Kennelly, and John Kennelly alone, stands out as the very first man who walked into one of my sting investigations absolutely buck naked. Where to begin with John Kennelly? So many questions, so many issues, so much to this story. So disturbing, really, when you think about it. And a little bit of humor to go along with that. This was our second investigation. Took place in Herndon, Virginia, a community just outside of Washington, D.C., actually a suburb of Washington, D.C., We had, uh, in our first investigation, been in Bethpage, Long Island, as you probably know, near New York City. And I thought, well, let's try the nation's capital. Who knows what could happen there? Would we see a politician? Someone who worked for a politician? A government official? We thought that was a distinct possibility. There had been other cases around that time in D.C. where 
people of note in the political world have been caught up in various embarrassing situations, illegal situations. So we thought we'd give it a try. What I didn't expect was to have a guy walk into the house naked. We did not, as it turned out, come into contact with a politician. We did come in contact with a teacher. We did come in contact with a military guy. And there was a man of God, a rabbi, who happened to be the very first guy who walked into our home on the very first day of the investigation, David Kay. That was shocking enough. And on the second day of our investigation, still reeling from that very experience, our decoys from perverted justice were in the chat rooms of AOL and Yahoo. And one of them was hit upon by John Kennelly, who online went by the moniker Special Guy 21. And as you'll hear in just a bit, Kennelly was neither special, nor was he 29. He was much older, 43. And as it turned out, and I saw this firsthand, he wasn't that special. So the chat goes on between the decoy of perverted justice and Kennelly. And it only goes on for, you know, a couple hours, really. Kennelly was what we call a fast mover. And so it's important to take a look at this chat, to listen to what Kennelly said, because it will contradict one of his claims later that this was the first time he ever did anything like this. As I mentioned, Kennelly's screen name is Special Guy 29. And in this case, he's chatting with a decoy who goes by Marlboro 20170. He identifies himself as a 14-year-old boy who's home alone. His dad's out of town. Kennelly says, hey, bro. The decoy says, sup. Not a thing, man. You? Boards. Where are you from? Falls Church here. That's Kennelly right there. Herned it, the decoy says. Kennelly asks, may I ask your... Stats, age and location, sweet, 14, 5, 7, 135 brown hair. Fine, you, special guy 29, Kennelly says, sweet deal. I'm 5'11", brown hair and eyes. Says he's 31. Now, this is where his story starts not to make sense in a lot of different ways. His screen name is special guy 29. He then says he's 31. The decoy identifies himself as Brandon. They exchange pictures. Special Guy 29 says, Brandon, may I ask a question? Score, bro, and shoot. Are you all right with the age difference? The decoy says, you party? You like me? I am there, yes. I like your pick, Brandon. He says, I have my left ear pierced. Brandon, may I ask you a personal question? Marble says, go for it. Are you straight, bi, or gay? Ha, 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 gay. Just don't tell no one. Special Guide 29, sweet. I won't, I promise. The decoy says, dude, find some bros and let's party. My dad is gone till Saturday morning. Special Guide 29, you are so fucking hot, bro. Can it be just us two, just for now? Where's your mom? I would love to hang out with you, Brandon. Mom's history. I'm sorry, bro. What do you think? May it just be us two for now? Please? Is it cool with you if it's only you and me? The 
computer cuts out, but Special Guy 29 keeps at it. He wants it just to be between him and this 14-year-old boy. The decoy says, dude, we need to test drive before we go saying that shit. That's because Special Guy 29 asked if he could be the boy's boyfriend. It really gets aggressive here. And then the decoy asks Special Guy 29 Kennelly what he does for a living. I'm an 11th grade English teacher. Decoy says, fuck, you don't teach in Herndon, do you? That's the suburb where the decoy is supposed to be located, where our sting operation is set up. Decoy says, damn, you freaked me. I'm sorry. That was not to make you feel uncomfortable. Just to drive the point home about his age, the decoy says, I'm going to start high school this year. Special Guy 29, maybe we can have fun. Is that a good idea, bro? I don't want to get you in trouble, bro. I also don't want to get me in trouble either. Decoy says, ha ha, no chance, bro. I've done this before. Not like I'm a virgin. No chance for what, bro? Gotcha. They exchange phone numbers. Special Guy 29 says he's got to work for a little bit on his second job. But he'll come over after that. The decoy sends the address. And the conversation continues. The decoy asks Canelli to bring some beer, which he will do, as you'll see. There's talk about condoms. Special Guy 29 says, I hate condoms, babe. Decoy says, you safe? Yes, I wouldn't have me any other way. The decoy asks for smokes and the beer once again. There's a discussion about Special Guy 29 Kennelly not using the front door. Dad's rules. There's a special rug. The decoy instructs him to come in through the garage. Tells him to strip to his underwear and come in. And he'll be in his underwear. Special Guy 29 says, I don't wear underwear. Then come in naked. All the better. Then Special Guy 29 Kennelly asks, What kind of underwear do you wear, if you don't mind? Then he says, If you don't, I won't. Okay, babe, deal. Then he says, May I tell you what I'm into? I am into sucking, French kissing, getting sucked, sucking nipples and balls. Well, this continues. And sure enough, we find out that Kennelly is on his way. The decoy had asked him what kind of a vehicle he drives. He said he got into an accident, but he'd be driving his father's red pickup truck. And we have a camera set up outside so we can see the coming and going. And because we know it's a possibility that Kennelly might strip in the garage, we put a camera there as well. We really didn't think he was going to do it, but we had to be prepared. The producers had put a towel on top of the refrigerator that I would have to pass from my area in the dining room to the kitchen where we had set up for the confrontation. And sure enough, in comes John Canelli, special guy 29. He's in the garage. He clumsily takes off his jean shorts and his top, and he walks in wearing nothing but a 12-pack of Budweiser beer. As he comes in, the decoy, who is actually a woman, Del Harvey, posing as a 14-year-old boy, says, sit down at the table, close your eyes, count to 100, and you'll get your surprise. 
Now, I'm in this dining room watching on a monitor with my security guy, Ron Knight, and we're looking at each other in absolute shock and disbelief. It's like, how in the world does this happen? Now, remember, this is only our second predator investigation. And while nothing surprised us then, nor does it surprise me now in the current investigations, it was indeed shocking. So there's Kennelly sitting on the stool, counting. One, two, three, four, on and on and on. And I finally look at Ronnie, and he's at about 20. And I said, okay, let's do this. So I walk out. I've got the transcripts in my hands, and I grab the towel. And I said, could you explain yourself? And he opens his eyes, fluttering his eyelids. And I'm sorry, sir. I said, take this blanket, this towel, and wrap it around yourself. So he does, sits back down. And I start the questions. It's clear from the beginning that he has no idea who I am. Doesn't even suspect that I'm law enforcement. He thinks clearly that I'm the dad. Because at one point, he actually references the fact that he believes my son messaged him. Take a listen to what he says to me. Yes, your son IM'd me. And he told me to come on over. He IM'd you? Yes, sir. How did he know to IM you? I don't know, sir, honest. So he just chose you out of the blue and said, come on over, get naked, and walk into the kitchen. People ask me often if I ever want to haul off and hit one of these guys. And honestly, in the heat of the interrogation, it it never really crosses my mind. I mean, I guess I would defend myself if somebody got overly aggressive and Ronnie Knight or law enforcement were out of position. But I'm really just focused on getting this person to tell me what the hell was going on in their minds that led them to this situation. And yeah, as a parent, as well as a journalist, it's just awful and irritating and outrageous that somebody would do this and try to hook up with a child this way. So that does get vented, I think, in the line of questioning. And so I continue. And he has no good answers to anything. He at one point says he's a teacher. What's your full name? John Kinnella. And you're a school bus driver or a teacher? Teacher. You're a teacher. He is not. At one point he says he's a bus driver. And what do you do for a living? I drive a school bus. You drive a school bus? Yes, sir. He is actually unemployed. I think he did work for a while as a bus driver. But currently, we don't think he was. And ultimately, after several more questions, Dodgy answered. Apologies. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sir. He's very deferential calling me, sir. Very demure. I ask him. Anything else you'd like to say to us? We'd like to hear it. If not, you're free to leave. You can take the towel to the garage and get dressed. And he does. And it's pathetic in some ways. If it wasn't so disturbing, so potentially destructive to a child's life. To watch this guy leave. And he's fumbling and stumbling and he leaves the blanket in the garage and hustles out to his red pickup truck or his dad's red pickup truck and off he goes. And in the house, we are in shock, utter disbelief. Now remember, this 
is only our second predator investigation. And like the first in Bethpage, Long Island, we did not have any sort of involvement during the investigation with official law enforcement. After we did our sting, we shared the results with the Fairfax County Police Department and the investigators there did make some of the cases. There were prosecutions through the Commonwealth there, including a prosecution of John Kennelly. And I'll get to that in just a little bit. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. So for the purposes of that day, I mean, this is in August of 2005, Kennelly was a free man for now. But what would happen the next day would be a unique situation. It was only one of two times where the same guy showed up again. Now, there was a case in California, Michael Siebert. He showed up in Riverside County, California. Weeks later, he showed up again in Long Beach, California. But this was the first time with Kennelly that we saw a repeat offender. So as you can imagine, we're all, I mean, spent. You're spent after the first predator comes in, much less after the the second or third or fourth, and you're into your second day. And by the time we got to Friday, Kennelly showed up first on a Thursday night, Friday morning. You know, we know we've got a couple more guys scheduled to come in, but we're winding down. We've already, I mean, you know, we had a rabbi, we had a, a teacher, a guy who really was a teacher, not Kennelly, who said he was a teacher, a military guy, uh, athlete, all kinds of activity. And here comes something that was absolutely shocking. I hear, I'm down in the kitchen area having a cup of coffee and going through transcripts and preparing for the day ahead. And, and it's a very comfortable environment here. We had in this case, rented this home in a beautiful suburb. I mean, Herndon's a great suburb and a lot of professionals live there. In this particular case, the fellow who owned the home was a retired FBI agent who I had known for many years. He was an FBI agent in Detroit when I was a reporter there. And, and uh, we got to be close there and, and a great agent involved in a lot of big high profile cases named Greg Schwartz. In fact, if that name sounds familiar, He's been very vocal and public in his discussions about the white boy Rick case, the Richard Worsey case, a guy who was in prison for 30 plus years, drug dealer in Detroit. He was an informant for the FBI, a lot of controversy, shouldn't have been locked up that long, was, got out. Greg Schwartz has been an advocate for Richard Worsey Jr. That's a topic for a different podcast. Anyway, that's the home we were in. So we would operate there. Greg would come home spend the night. We're okay with that because obviously, you know, he's law enforcement. In in retirement, he worked for the government in a different uh, role in background checks, intelligence, integrity, and security. So we were in a comfortable environment, as we said. So Schwartz would leave for the day and and we'd do our business and, and he'd come back at night. We'd brief him and he would spend the night at the house. And again, we didn't have any extra security there. This was only our second investigation. We didn't have law enforcement involved until later, as I mentioned. And so we're getting going, and all of a sudden I hear all this commotion. 
in the room upstairs, one of the bedrooms where the perverted justice decoys were working. Oh my God, oh my God, well, you won't believe this. So I were running up there and I said, what's going on? I forget whether it was Frag or Dell said to me, well, you remember that guy who walked in naked last night? John Cannelli, special guy 29. I go, remember, hard to forget. Well, he's back online again, chatting up a 13-year-old boy this time. How can we be certain that this guy in this chat room is the same guy who walked into this house last night naked? It's the same screen name. Same, same identical picture. screen name. He got busted on special guy 29. Same screen name, but he said his name was Shane. I said, how is that possible? How could somebody take that risk after having just been caught? Now, again, he wasn't arrested. He just got caught by our investigation, by me. What does it say about a guy who goes through that? The shock, the embarrassment, the exposure. He, now, he's got to know at some level he's going to be in trouble for this. And here he is again the very next day in the chat room. Well, clearly, although who knows based on this guy's behavior, but clearly he's not going to come back to the house and hurt it. So collectively, we decide that we'll set up a meeting between special guy 29 and this kid who he thinks is a 13-year-old boy. And we decide we'll do it at a McDonald's. But before we take you there, let me share with you the transcripts of the conversation online, the chat between Special Guy 29 and the decoy who goes online by the name Sissy Boy Sissy 13. Says he's bored. Kennelly says, where are you? Are you gay? He said, I like boys, but I like to dress up like a girl. This is the decoy. This appeals to Kennelly, but he still wants him to dress up as, you know, dress like a boy when he meets him. They talk about meeting. Sissy boy, Sissy 13 says, you want to meet me? Special guy 29, Kennelly, where? At McDonald's, when? Pick a time and I'll be there. Now, this is Kennelly saying this. He's ready to go. The decoy says, will you bring me one of your girl's dresses so I can dress up? Nylons. He says, stay like a boy for me, okay? That's Kennelly. Buy me lunch. If you wait outside for me, it's raining. Take an umbrella. And it was kind of overcast that day, as I recall. A little bit of rain. So now we've got to make a decision. Do we leave the house and potentially miss, you know, another predator coming over for a confrontation? Or do we take the cruise with me and go to this McDonald's in a neighboring community? Well, you know, we make the decision. We've got to check this out. Could he really show up again? The indications were that he would. Again, in the chat, there's talk of not wearing underwear. Kennelly seems fixated on this. And off they go. So we head out. I've got two television crews with me. My producer, Lynn Keller. We leave, you know, some people back at the house. Ron Knight's with me, my security guy. And we roll up to this McDonald's. And again, this is 16 years ago, but I remember it as if it you know, was yesterday. And we're waiting. And here comes this red pickup truck. Parks on the side of the street. And he hot foots it in. Wearing shorts, t-shirt, shoes untied. 
and he goes into the McDonald's. Now, we've got somebody watching. I think it was Lynn went into the McDonald's on the other side, keeping an eye out for him. And so we know that he's inside, and he's probably looking around for this sissy boy, sissy 13. And we start working our way up the street. And as we go, and again, I've got two cameramen and two soundmen, I'm thinking, all right, this guy's probably going to bolt. He's going to freak out that it's me again. And he's going to run to his red truck or his dad's red truck and take off. And so I probably only have the chance to ask him one single question. What should it be, I'm thinking in my mind. And I asked him as he came out, the only thing that I could think of, and I phrased it something like this. I've been in the business 24 years, and I have seldom been at a loss for words, but I don't know what to ask you first. And then he says, he says, I'm just getting something to eat. Listen to the exchange. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. Sir, I just came to get something to eat. But I don't even know what to ask you first. Last night, you walk into a house in suburban Washington, naked. Now, he doesn't run away. He's anxious, but I keep asking questions. What was your intention? I don't know. He sort of implies that he doesn't want to be on camera. A little late for that. And he asks if the cameraman can shut down their gear. Do you see why I was skeptical last night when you said... You get those no, I can't, John. I can't do that. That's their job, is to record video and audio. Now, you put yourself in this position. And I keep asking questions. You know, think about this. He claimed the night before that this was the first time he had done anything like this. But less than 24 hours later, here he is, trying to do it again. So how many times had he done it before and how many times has he done it since? Today, it seems outrageous that this guy was allowed to do this. And when you hear the punishment he faced and what he did after we caught him, I think you'll share in this outrage and in the belief that, you know, John Kennelly has done something somewhere that was very bad in terms of harming children. So he says to me, well, I'm getting help. I said, well, guess what, John? It's not working. He said, well, I'm, I'm seeing a psychiatrist. In fact, I have two appointments tomorrow. I said, well, I asked him, you know, what, what's your problem? He said, well, I had a family issue. And I never figured out what he meant by that. And you can listen to some of the sound here and, and judge for yourself. Because I had a family breakdown and I couldn't, and I never handled it well. And is that what you attribute this sort of behavior to? I'm guessing, yeah. It sounds like a cop, but it's not that. I don't know that he was getting at some sort of allegation that he was inappropriately touched by a family member or whether he had some issue with a family member that made him the way he is, but he alluded to that. Now, again, we finish our confrontation, the interview, and we're just stupefied. I mean, really, I mean, we're just blown away. And I can't think of anything else to ask. I mean, I've been pretty, pretty tough on him, as was deserved in this case, I thought. And off he goes, shoelaces flapping, 
He gets in his truck and drives away. Now, at some point, we approach the Fairfax County Police on this, as I mentioned earlier. And remember, 19 men showed up at our house in Herndon, Virginia. None of them initially were prosecuted, but we approached the Fairfax County Police Department. And the lieutenant there, who was a great guy, stayed in contact with for many years. And actually, I owe him a phone call, but did a great interview and said, look, we're going to look at all these cases. And in fact, they did. And Canelli's was one of the cases that was prosecuted. And ultimately, Canelli pleaded guilty and received a two-year sentence. But the judge in that case suspended the sentence. He was put on probation for 10 years and had to register as a sex offender. So we sort of shake our heads thinking that, you know, is that enough punishment for this guy? Is this justice? I mean, the rabbi, by comparison, who essentially did the same thing, was ultimately prosecuted by the feds. The FBI picked up the case, the U.S. Attorney's Office, went to trial, a bench trial, and received six and a half years in prison. Kennelly skates with a suspended sentence. And I think looking back, there was very definitely an, an inequity in sentencing and in all these cases around the country. I think the court system in some cases was just coming to grips with this crime. You know, the whole solicitation of a minor online and coming to grips with the notion that even though there really wasn't a 13 or 14-year-old child physically put in danger, psychologically, psychiatrically put in danger here, it's still a crime. You know, I think there was still the feeling on the part of some in the judicial system that, okay, this was a TV show doing a sting, it's bad, there's evidence, the police have taken it up, but a two-year suspended sentence is probably fair here. I disagree, but I think that's the way it went down. So Canelli doesn't go to jail on this, doesn't go to prison, at least at that point. But in a turn of events that shocked absolutely no one, Canelli has another encounter with the law two years after we busted him. So in June of 2007, again, two years after Canelli surfaced in our investigation, two years after he received a two-year suspended sentence, 10 years probation and registration as a sex offender, he shows up in a park near Stillfield Place in Centerville, Virginia. It's in a community called Virginia Run. Centerville is another bedroom community of our nation's capital. And I'm taking a look at a local police blotter in a Connection newspapers. And I've confirmed this independently, obviously, and we've known about this for some time, but Two 15-year-old girls encountered a man who exposed himself to them. Now, Fairfax County Police have charged the person they believe committed this act. John Canelli, now 45, of Falls Church, Virginia. Police say the incident occurred in March around 1.30 p.m. They said the girls came upon a man standing in front of them with his back toward them. According to police, the man yelled to get their attention. And then one of the girls turned and noticed that he'd pulled down his pants pulled his shirt over his head and was exposing himself. The girls ran away. Police say Canelli ran into the woods out of the girl's sight. 
The subsequent investigation led them to Canelli, and in May of that year, he was arrested, charged with two counts of indecent exposure. He was taken to the adult detention center where he was already being held because of this for probation violation. So again, his probation is extended. Since then, we can find no record of Canelli being investigated or prosecuted or arrested. He continues to be a registered sex offender in the state of Virginia. According to those records, he continues to be unemployed and, as far as we know, continues to live with his parents in Falls Church. My team came up with two potential phone numbers for John Canelli, both of which I called to try to get his comment or his input or perhaps even an interview about everything that he's done, been through. To no avail, I left messages in both places. It sounded like one of the numbers might have been the home number of his parents' house. I only say that because the voicemail was that of an elderly man. We don't know for sure. The other was a cell phone. We'll see if John Canelli gets back. And if he does, we will offer him the opportunity to be interviewed on this podcast as one of the predators I've caught. Oh, and one other thing. The infamous stool in the kitchen, in the home, in Herndon, Virginia, where Canelli sat naked, but for a towel wrapped around him. People often ask what happened to that stool. Well, I suggested at the end of the investigation that Greg Schwartz, the owner of the home and stool, give it a good scrubbing. Not sure whether he did or not. I hope he did. But I do know that that stool was kept as a souvenir of the investigation and ultimately sent to a friend of mine who keeps it as a very significant piece of predator memorabilia. Who knows what we'll do with it? But it will always be a reminder of John Canelli and the other 18 predators I caught in Herndon, Virginia. I'm Chris Hansen, and thank you for listening to my podcast, Predators I've Caught. If you want to reach me, shoot me an email at chris at predatorpodcast.com. I will get back to you. You can even leave a voice message in a file if you want. And we'll try to use some of those in the podcast here. In the meantime, I'll be watching and listening.